Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Shay Dixon. Shay, we are in December officially. Uh, I know Brian Kelly said November was for contenders. I don't know what December is for. I don't know what rhymes with contenders and pretenders that he can use, but we're in December now. December is for forgetting how November ended. There you go. I believe. Exactly. Exactly. But, you but you know, he was on a run of what? What was it? 15 straight games or something like that? Well, it November? was five straight seasons of never lost a football game in November dating back to Notre Dame. So if you're playing four, yeah, you know, I think he had hit like 19 wins in a row or something like that in the month of December yeah. or month of November. And then they lost to A&M. So we've moved past A&M. We've talked about that one plenty, shifting the focus to Georgia. Uh, Matty B, the line is sat at 17 and a half range pretty much all week. Not a shock. Yeah, it's um, it was at I mean, it was at 15, I think, early, early. And I know even last week it was around 15. Then, yeah, uh, obviously the loss to AM has a lot of people buying in on Georgia, and understandably so. Uh, on the surface level, if we just start on a very surface level of looking at this game, you know, I, I think I mentioned it briefly on the mailbag podcast, but LSU defense couldn't stop Texas AM. You know, what makes you think they're going to stop Georgia? It's it's similar in style. I think one of my biggest takeaways watching uh, some of the Georgia film the past couple of days, uh, Kenny McIntosh is really, really versatile. The running back for Georgia. He has 122 carries, averages 5.4 yards a carry. Uh, they do use Dejon Edwards uh, quite a bit. He has 114 carries on the year. But fun fact, and this will be in my um, my film study piece today, uh, Kenny McIntosh is actually leading the SEC in receiving yards as a running back as well. So, you know, you get that element to it. He has even more yards than Jameer Gibbs, who we assume uh, is one of the best receiving running backs in, in the conference. So I say all that to say, you know, the off the Georgia offense against the LSU defense is uh, going to be a really interesting battle, and uh, we have to see LSU as a team bounce back. But obviously LSU's defense is kind of where I start when, when looking at this game. Georgia scored 579 points this year. That's 38.6 a game. That is ninth out of 130, if I'm not mistaken, in uh, Mm -hmm. FBS ball. I'll flip it on you, though, here, Matty B, and this is LSU fans. Don't drive off the road out of frustration here of what's to come. They've allowed 153 points this year. That is 10 points a game. And I'll give you a guess where 10 points a game ranks among 130 teams. Matty B, you want to take a guess? Where do you think allowing only 10 points a game ranks you? I'm I'm going to guess first. There you go. You win the Georgia trivia for the day. So Georgia's got the ninth best offense in college football, and they've got the first best defense. You can say that they – and I think maybe that plays into it, right? Like we've talked about this before, and we've heard other people say it. I was on podcast with the Georgia guys this week, uh, Jake and all of them at the On3 site. 
It's almost like Georgia's board. They just sort of roll out. Like we've talked a lot, Matty B, about LSU cannot roll out of bed and just beat teams. Georgia can, and they have. Georgia has rolled out of bed on Saturday and just beaten a lot of teams. And it seems like they kind of get bored with it at times because of those numbers you see there. They are one of the best offenses. They are one of the best defenses. They are the best defense. Nobody's giving them fits. I think um, if we continue to talk about how good Georgia is, there have been two occasions this year, and I think really one and a half, where they looked full Death Star death mode on everybody. The first being the Oregon game to start the no season, doubt. right? 49-3. to three. We, all, we watched that game just like we, – we everybody – the takeaway from that game by everyone was that, okay, Oregon's just that bad. There's no way Georgia's that good again. Oregon has to be really bad this year. Oregon eventually obviously comes back and has you know won almost all their games the rest of the season. Very, very good team. Um, the second to me was the first half against Tennessee where they, um, I don't know the score at halftime off the top of my head, but they put it on Tennessee and it looked like Tennessee had no hope. It was 24 to six at halftime. And even, you know, if you continue, they stopped scoring in the second half, but Tennessee only scored one touch and it was late in the game. But that first half against Tennessee, when it was 24 to six, I was like, okay, Georgia's just. They're the best team in the country. You're not gonna, you're not gonna touch them. And that's when Tennessee obviously was coming in undefeated. Like it's the whole everything was coming together, and Georgia just shut the door on that. So you put those two uh, performances together, and you say this is a team that, at its best, can win the national championship uh, once again. Now, you know th- that's where we start to debate: is maybe they have an off day, maybe. They don't play to their potential, which they have at times struggled this year. If you look at go down their schedule, they've had plenty of games where they've been pushed, Missouri, Kent State, Kentucky. But are they likely to come out flat in the conference championship game? That that we'll have to see. The You mentioned those games. Those were the close games this year. Um, they really slept walked against Kent State, which came after. They just crushed South Carolina. They had come off that massive win against Oregon. Sanford, they had blown out, and Sanford didn't score a point. Uh, but then they ultimately won that game 39-22. Mm-hmm. The next week, though, they went out and slept walked at Missouri and only won by four points. So suddenly I felt like then, that was October 1st, people started sounding the alarm. Hey, look, we're a month in. Yeah, they blew out Oregon, as you noted. Yeah, they blew out South Carolina, who ended up being a solid football team. But what was up with Kent State? What was up with Missouri? Well, then they go out and they crush Arkansas. They crush Vanderbilt, who ends up being halfway decent. They crush they Florida. Auburn, not Arkansas. Um, yeah, Auburn. Uh, then Vandy, then Florida, then Tennessee. You noted that game. Then Mississippi State just rolled them. Yeah. Everyone pauses. And, look, Georgia Tech was their final game, and they kind of you know, kept it close for a half, and then they yeah. crushed them. People are going to look at this Georgia-Kentucky game, which only happened two weeks ago. They won 16-6. to What is your recollection of that game? Why Why does that not game not look like every other one on their schedule where they win 42-20? to Yeah, I think that that's the game LSU wants to replicate in a lot of ways. Now, obviously, you want to score more than six points, of course, but Kentucky made that game ugly. And that, I think that was my main takeaway when watching uh, the, the tape on that one is – Kentucky was able to keep the ball a bit. They didn't hit a bunch of explosives. They had one down the sideline to get them out of like their own three. But other than that, they ran the ball with Chris Rodriguez decently well. Will Levis had a pretty solid game. It was they made no the game explosive ugly. plays. You say this sounds great. I yeah. I know a team that can do this. 
exactly. You have to be opportunistic enough with this defense to where Georgia still has Keely Ringo on the on the cor- at corner, who is an unbelievable corner. Still have Jalen Carter at defense tackle, who is pro- one of the best players in the country, one of the best defensive linemen in the country. Going to be a top five draft pick undoubtedly this year. I mean, he's kind of the the, the straw that stirs the drink. Um, but I, I think Kentucky was just able to make it ugly, uh, make Stetson Bennett make some tough throws. And overall, uh, that's kind of the game plan I want uh, LSU to replicate. I, I just was really impressed with how Kentucky physically matched up with Georgia, um, even though we know they might not be the most talented team. Uh, yeah, and look, Stetson Bennett only threw for 116 yards in that game. McIntosh, the running back we've talked about. Uh, went for 143 and one. So you can see what they decided to do there, yeah. uh, which is really, hey, let's just run the football and, and try to get a win. Let me ask you this before we shift to LSU. We'll kind of wrap up here on Georgia. Brian Kelly talked to this week, and it, this is what he's going to say. And it's true to a degree uh, across Stetson's career that smart player, and he says he takes care of the football very well. Does he take care of the football very well? Because he's got six picks. And from talking to Georgia people, they were like, look, there's a lot more that have been dropped that should have been picks that got picked and were brought back on a penalty. Um, there's a lot of times where he's scrambling to keep plays alive and the ball's kind of way out here. And, you know, he's not thinking about just tucking it and going down and trying to keep plays alive, whatever it might be. The point they were making was Stetson can turn the ball over. You know, I know we heard Brian Kelly say he does a really good job of protecting it. That might not be completely true. Well, he is taking better care of it than he did last year for the most part. Last year, he had 287 pass attempts and seven interceptions. This year, has 367 pass attempts and six interceptions. But you, to your point, I think um, not only is you know he is capable of throwing interceptions, they're also not quite as explosive of an offense this year. Last year, he averaged 10 yards per attempt. This year, he's at 8.6. So maybe they're not being as vertical at times. And every time you watch a Georgia you know, highlight tape or the highlights of a Georgia game, what, what do you see as far as explosive plays? It's Brock Bowers catching the ball and just you know, rumbling down the field for 60 yards and a touchdown. That's what it feels like, right? And so, Or it's Kenny McIntosh breaking the long run it doesn't feel like it's as explosive of an offense. Um, and I think that speaks to Stetson Bennett's limitations to a degree. I just, as great as, as many games as he won, as he has won as Georgia's quarterback, you know, you have to give him respect. You have to be like, all right, this guy is obviously capable in doing the job that is being asked of him. And I think uh, Brian Kelly did make a great point about the confidence that he has. He gives to other people. That's really, really valuable as a quarterback. But at some point, there's a ceiling to his, to what he's capable of. And I think um, that is what LSU's defense is going to have to hope that he doesn't, you know, surpass that ceiling. He doesn't play out of his mind. But if you can force Stetson Bennett to beat you repeatedly, I think you're in a decent position. Decent. I didn't say good. Decent position. I also made a mistake here. I was reading stats off, and I was on the 2021 National Championship Georgia Bulldogs. Fear not, LSU fans. They do not give up just 10 points a game. It's actually 11. 11. Three points a game. Yeah. I figured you were also down. Which is also first. And their offense is 38.2 a game, which is 12th. God, this is a team. Matty B, they got gutted on defense yes. by the NFL draft. They took zero transfers 
and they roll back through the SEC, putting up 11.3 point get a game on defense first in the country. That's and, insane. That that's where Brian Kelly wants LSU to be is. You can literally lose everyone off a team, not take a single transfer, and you've got enough depth to roll right back out and have the best defense in America. And um, I don't remember if I mentioned this on Monday, but, um, well, I know I mentioned Jermaine Burton left to Alabama, the receiver, um, Mm -hmm. which was a shocker to everybody because after you win a national championship, your best receiver leaves to Alabama. Regardless, then they lose Nolan Smith, their, their linebacker, I mean, a veteran leader on this team, one of the better players on this team. Uh, he suffered the he tore his pec muscle, pec muscle can't speak against Florida, and um, he's out. That was a big loss. Yeah, that's a pretty big loss. That's a Mason still, Smith type loss. Yeah, I mean that is a huge loss. So uh, they have still continued to rotate guys in, and they've been really, really solid. I I tweeted this out, but they they lost so much from last year's team, and they returned Keely Ringo Ringo, and they returned Jalen Carter and. Just from those two players alone, it the off, no offense can really be comfortable against them. And like you have those two, and then everybody else fills in around them, and they're all really, really good players around them. They're all four star guys. They're all five star guys. So, yeah, the the Georgia defense. I mean, it's just it's. I don't know what you want me to say. It's I, good. It's gonna it's gonna take a lot more than I know. Some people will look at the Alabama game and be like, okay, well, LSU was two touchdown dogs against Bama. Okay, that's, you know, and they beat them. That I think that is, I think that's a fair point because LSU is capable of playing at a level that can beat Alabama and capable of playing at a level that they can have a chance to beat Georgia. Yes. But this Georgia team is just more balanced, they're better, and, I think they're less volatile than Alabama is. And you're not playing at home. Right. And look, two front sevens. You think of a front seven, that's what kind of makes a team great. And last year, Florida or Georgia had a great front seven. Uh, This year, they've got a very solid front seven, losing Nolan Smith, as you noted, hurt. But they've got a lot of really good DBs who sort of pace them. Malachi Starks is probably their best player this year. He leads them in tackles as a DB, tied for the most in picks, leads them in passes defended. So, uh, played in every game. Um, he'll be a guy we obviously will uh, have a close eye on, seeing if it's neighbors or Butte who kind of matches up there and uh, what their DB spot looks like. They've got a number of guys back there who can really play. Um, but, okay, we've talked Georgia. We know how good they are. We've sung their praises. They're undefeated. LSU, where do we start here? Where are we going with what we're watching? Are we going with who we're watching? What is our first uh, uh We can do We can do what topic. we're watching. We can, do, we can do what we're watching. Um I'll take I'll take the obvious one. Um, okay. I guess obvious. I don't know if it's obvious or not. Um, I'm just gonna take Jane Daniels. I, I think. Well, it, that's what you're watching and who you're watching, right? I mean, let's be real. Yeah, it is who I'm watching too. <laughs> yeah, it is who I'm watching. But uh, I'm I'm not sure. Like, if we pick breakout, if we pick players that we, you know, breakout candidates or whatever we want to call them, as far as players we're gonna guess to do well, I'm 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 gonna be hesitant. I'm not 100 percent sure that he's gonna come out and light it up. With that being said. That, and I go back to the Alabama game, that was the performance that he's going to have to replicate to a degree. I think that's how well he's going to have to play. He's going to have to play as well as he, as he did against Florida. He's going to have to play as well as he did against Alabama. He's going to have to put this team on his back to a degree because I saw – I remember – I'll never forget a tweet. I don't remember what week this was. Some national writer said, tweeted something along the lines of, when you get Jaden Daniels on your team, your offense becomes Jaden Daniels. And – 
as much as, you know, that's kind of unfair because there's a billion things working around him. It, it kind of is that to a degree and it falls on his shoulders, whether it's fair or not, as much as some of the crit- criticism that I think he's taken has been kind of unfair. It does. It falls back on his shoulders and he's going to have to play probably the best game of his life. If LSU wants to win this game. So everyone's monitoring his ankle. Um, yeah. He obviously got banged up against A&M. He played through it. He got taped up and all that. Uh, people have freaked out that he's been in a boot this week and spotted in a boot at different times. Guys will do that throughout. That happens. You'll yeah. wear a boot throughout the week just to stay off it and all of those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So not a surprise there. I think we're just monitoring the reality of I'd be surprised if Jaden didn't play, right? Because he's played through a number of injuries this year. I mean, he's proven to be pretty tough. Brian Kelly said basically the because of the injury, it's not a high ankle sprain. And there wasn't, you know, Brian Kelly didn't share that there was like any ligament damage, anything like that. He said the only test now for the ankle sprain is can he stand up on his toes on it? And that was a test they were doing early in the week. He's been out there at practice since uh, moving around. So the hope obviously is that he can play. I think the question becomes, is he a full speed Jaden Daniels? We don't know the answer to that, but it goes into what you're saying. Of if he's back there and can't run around, then he's not Jaden Daniels. Like that's yeah. the benefit of having Jaden Daniels. It's something to monitor. I don't think we're at press the panic alarm and it's time for Nussmeyer to go start to finish yet, but we will have to see uh, how Daniels looks. And again, guys get, we we're probably not talking about 30 guys on the team who every week are having to tape something up and, you know, down some medicine and just get yeah. out there. Um, that's just where you're at at this point in the season when you don't have a ton of depth and you're playing an SEC schedule. So I would expect Daniels to play. I have no inside knowledge there. They're not offering me up a chance to watch practice all day to see how much he's going. But uh, if they did, I would take it. And then I'd bring back the info to you guys, but I don't have an opportunity to see any closed practices. So we will presume Daniels is playing. The question just becomes how healthy is he? And is it, is he banged up enough to where he cannot be as mobile as he normally is? And certainly that's something the coaches will have a, a very keen eye on. Um, that's what I'm watching as well. If I'm going breakout player and I'll do mine on offense here, I almost think it's John Emery. And I think that they'll have Josh Williams back this week. And that will be huge because he's your starting running back, but whether it was at Florida and they needed a big play and we saw Emory come up with it, or whether it was a and M where he scored the only three touchdowns that they scored, albeit Josh Williams didn't play. But when John Emery's not turning the ball over, it's very evident that he's got a spark in his game and an athleticism to him that the other guys don't have. Like on an offense that lacks explosive plays, and you think of explosive plays as being part of the passing game, obviously, we just haven't seen it happen this year. So can Emery break a big run? Can Emery take a, you know, a wheel route to the house or for 50, 60 yards and set him up for, um, you know, a field goal or points, a touchdown. I don't know. But I just feel like coming off the A&M game and knowing that maybe Daniels isn't going to be running it all over the yard, maybe he will be. Um, it's got to come from somewhere. Uh, I'll put my money onto Emory right now. Yeah, uh, kind of wrapping up your your Jane Daniels point. Well, I'm going to safely assume he plays for, for a few reasons. Uh, the first being that if – Garrett Nussmeyer or anybody else plays quarterback, then I don't even think this game is worth watching. Um, But 
Jaden Daniels has been incredibly tough this entire year. And this is with the pl- the shot of a playoff obviously gone. This is now this is their championship game. This is this is the championship game first of all, but this is legitimately their championship game. So I think you put everything into it. You like you said, pop the pills. You gotta do whatever you gotta do. I, every player is yeah, every player out there. Is going, every player is going through it uh, at this point. And um, I think Jane Daniels, if he plays, I can't see him being scared to run because of an no, angle. me neither. I think he's just it's in his head. It's he's it's in his blood. He's just gonna do what he does. He's a playmaker. Um, with that being said, my um, breakout candidates, a breakout player is actually three players. Well, four, four players breaking the rules. It's the interior of the offensive line for me. It's going to be center guard guard. And however they want to, I meant to ask uh, Brian Kelly about Garrett Dellinger rotating in, but I'm, I was assuming he's just going to say the same thing about uh, Dellinger, but whether it's Bradford Dellinger, Frazier, and then obviously Charles Turner at center, this Jalen Carter dude is is very very good, very very good. And but they do move him around a good amount, right? So there were times where he was lined up um, right in front of a tackle, you know. But for the most part, I think he is at his best when he is in one of those inside gaps. And if he is at one of those inside gaps, I need the in the interior of the offensive line to be um very very good because if you can maybe slow him down you have a shot at being able to run the ball at being able to have some time to pass um and obviously they have a good front seven and a good front four uh, outside of him but he is like i said the one you have to watch for so um yeah i'm gonna take the interior of the offensive line get very specific okay let me um i'll 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 cheat as well and i'll just name a number of players as my breakout player uh let me ask you this who guards brock bowers who's their tight end and is the best tight end in america i would i would oh man um i would i think okay kentucky did a good job i think for the most part playing a lot of zone i'm gonna hope lsu can play zone for the most part but in even in those zones, you know, somebody lines up across from him, somebody is in that area. I think it's gonna be you want Jay Ward to bounce back inside if Jarek Bernard Converse can come back, which it sounds like Bernard Converse will be back. Um, if Bernard Converse is back on the boundary, you pump, bump Jay Ward inside. I would like Jay Ward, uh, for the most part. I do not want Sage Ryan on him. Um, can yeah, Baskerville match up Baskerville, with him? Baskerville, I think, has is a decent shout too. So those are the two Baskerville and Sage, uh, and not Sage, well. Uh, Baskerville and Jay Ward would probably be my two for that. Okay. So then I'll move on from that and say then what I'm watching as well as who needs to be the breakout player is if, if Todd Munkin, George's OC, if he puts on, Hey, I'm gonna go watch the last game LSU played, man. What happened over at AM? And he watches the offense at AM against LSU's defense. Why isn't he just going to hand the ball to McIntosh 35 times? And just be like, well, we've got a really good O-line. We can push these dudes around. That is no problem. AM pushed them around with a worse O-line than Georgia has. McIntosh is a great running back. Why not just do that all game? So what I'm watching, I guess, on defensively and who the breakout star needs to be is whatever happens in the front seven to be better than they were a week ago. And if that means setting the edge, if that means the DNs need to play a little better. If that just means your linebackers have to play the game of their lives, I, I don't know the answer there, but I would have to think that 
Georgia is not going to put the ball in the hands of Stetson and say, throw it 30 something times and we'll yeah. beat them. You know, it's going to be, let's just run the football all over. Why not? Yeah. And I've, like you said, if, and like how I started this, this entire podcast was that if you just base it off the last game, LSU's defense was unable to stop Devon A chain. And uh, while McIntosh is not the same running back as Devon A chain, he is very, very good. And they have a couple backs that they can play. Um, the LSU run game has been really, really interesting to me, and I won't get too deep into it, but basically the entire year I've thought that they were decent, right? The, the Tennessee game, they were bad. Uh, they've had some, you know, bad moments uh, and against the run, but for the most part I thought they were pretty good. But the entire year um, I reference uh, CFB graphs a decent amount. They do some advanced stats. They And this does not account for competition, so they're not actually this low, but they've had them 65th against the run, this year and i again when you adjust for competitions maybe that's in the 40s or whatever but they it haven't been as good and i've refused to believe that that number was as low as it is but maybe it just is that low maybe they're not maybe that is their weakest point as a team as a defense and so you go into this game going against georgia and that's where the concern arises is that you look at Alabama and you look at um, the games they've won Mississippi State Ole Miss uh, obviously Ole Miss they eventually did stop the run at a very high level but like they're not as balanced as Georgia is I feel like and they're not as um, consistent as what Georgia is I it's just it's hard it's hard for me to go into this game being like all right LSU's defense is going to buckle down and it's going to be a 17-14 game I, I don't know I, I think I'm still recovering from last week's game. Yeah. I'll say this, um, and this plays into last week's game. Um, we'll have our score predictions on Friday up on the site. I don't think LSU is going to win, but I I could see LSU winning. I do not think that there is no path to LSU winning this football game. I absolutely think LSU can win because they've won games this year that I did not expect them mm-hmm. to win. So, yes, there is a path to LSU winning. That being said, Georgia is the most complete team they've played, they will have faced, I should say. And that means you – one thing LSU is better than in Georgia this year is turnover margin. And LSU doesn't turn the ball over. Now, you're going to sit there and scream, well, Shea, they turned it over in the A&M game. That's why they lost. I agree. When they do turn it over, the margin for error is so slim that when that happens, it's tough to come back from. And – we saw that out of the gates against Tennessee. You fumble the opening kickoff, yep. Tennessee scores, and it's never a game again. We yep. saw it at AM, 17 to 17. You've got a little momentum built now. You got some stops in the third quarter. Scoop and score. You're never coming back from that. So, and these aren't Brian Kelly, these are Brian Kelly's words. He said, yep. Look, we cannot turn it over because the margin for error is that razor thin with this team, especially when you go up against a team like Georgia. Who is good enough to, the second you do something like that, they're just going to make you pay for it. So getting a turnover or somehow would be great. Not turning it over for me is paramount. LSU cannot have one ball hit the ground. They can't throw a pick. You can't muff it on special teams, punts, nothing. Like If you turn the ball over in this game, you will lose. It's like that scene. It's like that scene in Remember the Titans where um, Denzel's like, if you drop the ball, you run a mile. You you fumble, you run a mile, and that's yeah, that's, just, well, that's in my head now. That's yeah. So that's where I'm at. 
They will be running back to Baton Rouge a number of miles yeah. if they turn the ball over. So I don't know if you disagree there. I just think they cannot no, turn it over. No, I, I agree. It over. And yeah, and I've said that before. Go ahead. I'll give you one final thought here. Georgia is the best red zone team in America. LSU's offense is designed to get to the red zone and then like Jaden Daniels and run with the backs into the end zone or kick a field goal. I heard people talking this week about that and saying, man, LSU's um, LSU's best shot here is to cross midfield and then hit the explosive plays. You don't want to get into the red zone versus Georgia. Well, unfortunately for LSU, that's not their MO. They don't hit any, they don't hit explosive plays. They kind of just methodically get downfield on you, get into the yeah. red zone and then try to get points. So for me, that's one massive hurdle is you've got a team that is better than anyone in college football in the red zone that basically allows no touchdowns yeah. versus a team that every touchdown they've had this year has come from the red zone, essentially. Yeah, essentially. Um yeah, it that it is a um concern uh going into this one it's but a bad matchup it's not a good matchup for, for the reason that i named um i i even think honestly if they played tennessee again i might have felt better uh going into this but regardless the last thing i'll say and I've, I've said this before and i think it plays into your turnovers thing is that this game is not at home right if you look at their worst performances on the year it has been Florida State, neutral site, Auburn, road, Arkansas, road, Tennessee was at home, but then AM, road. Outside of Texas, outside of Tiger Stadium, this might just be a team that isn't that plays to maybe more so the level of their talent, right? It at home, maybe they play um sharper, maybe they come out to play a little bit more, which I know they've had some some slow starts at home as well, but it's just uh like we've said before, it's a team that is not the most talented team Brian Kelly will have at LSU by any more, by any way, shape, or form. So they a lot of times need that home field advantage to kind of push them. If they play well in Georgia, against Georgia, it will be the first time where they have played well outside of the state of Louisiana. They just have not played well outside of this state. And so that will that is another reason I'm hesitant to uh, pick LSU in this game. So uh, it's kind of like you got to show it to me at some point, but um, that that's really my main thing. All right, now. All right, um, that does it. That does we, it. We gave no predictions yet, but I'll give my prediction on this. After I just <laughs> talked about how incredibly difficult this game will be, I think they cover the seventeen and a half. I agree. I don't think LSU is going to get run. And if you've watched Georgia enough this year, they cruise control it after halftime if they can. So. I don't think Tennessee they'll be out being, there still putting up massive exactly. touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. Tennessee being a great example of that, um, where they've kind of offensively, they kind of go into a shell defensively. They kind of just keep it in front of them. And if they do go up two touchdowns going to halftime, I don't see it getting completely out of hand again. Oregon was out of hand. I think it, it, it got out of hand real quickly. So they will pour it on in the first half. If you let them, and then in the first three quarters, they will pour it on. Let me pull up the Oregon box real quick because the score at halftime was, what, 42 to 3 or something like that? So you need the uh, A&M approach here of, like, how can we milk off eight minutes a drive? Well, that's what Kentucky did. Every I mean, drive. Well, Kentucky like, didn't do that exactly, but, you know, to, to an extent, Kentucky was able to just really be physical, make the game ugly, make everybody uncomfortable. But even Kentucky's offense drives weren't effective, but they were enough to change field position. It's just like – you. 
you need to be physical. And I think this team is capable of making this game ugly and making it physical. And then offensively, you just gotta, you gotta, you gotta hit some plays. You gotta hit some, some, you gotta break some plays that maybe they haven't broke all season. And if that's the case, maybe you have a shot, but um, yeah, looking back on that, it was 42 to three at the end of the third quarter against Oregon. I remember this. I remember that vividly because I had the under 53 in that game and it ended 49 to three and they just stopped scoring. So, Shout out that's a hit. Court. That's it. That's a hit. Cash it. Cash it. There you go. All right. That's well, all we we'll got. be there. We'll both be there. So we'll have y'all's coverage for you in person. Yes, in person. Uh, we will be there. Um, getting on a flight. Excited. Not been on many flights. In bright my and life. early. So yeah, bright and early. We'll we'll be out there. So all right. That's all we got for y'all today. We hope y'all enjoyed it. Leave us a like, share, subscribe, all of that good stuff. Um, if you're listening on the audio side. Leave us a five-star rating and review, Apple, Spotify. We greatly appreciate that. You can follow us on Twitter right here um, at Matthew Bruni underscore at Shay Dixon. And subscribe to the Bengal Tiger. One more plug. One more plug before the bowl season. The Bengal yeah. Tiger, $1 for an entire year. $1 for one year of all access to all on three sites. You can read everybody's stuff, including ours, most importantly. Of course. And you get so, the hat for free. And you I, get the hat. I'm putting the over under on number of hats we see in Atlanta at one and a half. Oh, over. Over. Ooh, okay. I'm moving it to two and a half. We've had a sudden shift in the line. Damn. I didn't get in time. I didn't get in no, time. No, no, no. The odds avoided. Yeah, the odds just changed on you. Uh, that's a tougher number. That's a tougher number. So um, rock y'all's hats. Hopefully, I'll be on the lookout. My head's on a swivel for them. I saw a bunch at the season opener. So look at that. Look at the site. Beautiful site. We got the wind bar up, which posts uh, every Thursday, actually. Yes, um, with a ton of recruiting scoop in there. There's some portal news in there. There you go. Look at that. Look at Shay Dixon's name. All right. There you go. Subscribe to the Bengal Tiger. There you go. There you have it. Hope you all enjoyed the podcast, and we will talk to you all later. See you in Atlanta. See you in Atlanta.